Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. This is going to be episode number 41. Oh, 41? That's cool. And the hits keep on coming and they just keep going up and it's getting better and better every single time I see it. I know. For some reason, I thought it was 42 and that's how old I am. So that didn't work out. You're going to admit that on air, how old you are. I thought you were 27. (laughs) Well, I have a 24-year-old son, so I don't think that would work out. You're perpetually you can do the math. Perpetually 27 years old. Mm-hmm. So you can find us online if you go to www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the user at Scary Savannah. What happens if you don't type in the www. It depends on which browser you're using, but typically it'll still find it. But yeah. I just like to say WWW. I have a feeling our kids would make fun of that. Well, everybody makes fun of me for everything. Like, so it's not like that's a unique yeah, situation. WWW, what the heck? World Wide Web. Yeah, but these the are intrawebs. But these are the same kids that ask me, how do you install a dishwasher? So there's different kinds of skills that we all possess. Hey, new home ownership is tricky. Yeah, but we figured out how to install a dishwasher. Well, I figured out the dishwasher. I mean, you had did do several of the upgrades to the house, yeah. way more than I did. But we didn't install this dishwasher. Some guy did. I know, but we had a little technical difficulty. Coffee decided to wrap herself around my charging cord for my computer. It's what she does. She brings a lot of nice, excessive noise and damage everywhere she goes. Right now, she's nosing about on the bed. She's getting settled for the night. Hopefully, she'll take a nap or something. We'd like to say thank you so much for... 25,000 downloads. Wow, you added sound effects. Impressive. I figured out how to do some sound effects, too. Cool. So, you watch this. Nice. But that's a lot. 25,000 downloads lot. in less than a year, I think, is extremely successful. And thank you so much to everybody who has been listening to the show. And it's, it's all great. over the world and places I've never even heard of. Apparently, we're like in the top 50 podcasts in Bolivia. Wow. Big time. And that's awesome because that's cool. I don't know where Bolivia is. I think it's in South, South America. America. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear it. I hope it just keeps going up there in Bolivia. Hopefully they speak English. Either or that they're or just they, listening. They just like the sound of our voice. I imagine <laughs> they probably speak some English there, I would, I would think. So if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to our website and look at the bottom left-hand corner of your browser and find the little yellow icon that looks vaguely like a coffee cup. And you can click on that and buy Crystal a coffee or two or 16. Yeah, we're getting low. Getting a little bit low on those. Got and a coffee cook tonight. I know, we're getting a little bit fancy here on this podcast for today. Usually yeah. it's just iced coffee. Well, I still have iced coffee I'm working on off screen. That's great. Good times, good times. She's uh, got every form of energy drink known to man coursing through her veins yeah, right now. Yeah, I've already now. had my Red Bull. You seem full of just energetic power. It hasn't hit yet. It's going to. Yeah, when she point. starts doing backflips here in a minute, you'll know <laughs> that the Red Bull that she drinks out of a cup this big... <laughs> Has kicked in. Well, it's chewy ice and Red Bull. It's my favorite afternoon snack. Yeah, it's her dinner, actually, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. So we mentioned in our episodes that we have a lot of exclusive stuff on our Patreon. And you can find that at the address below on the screen, patreon.com forward slash scary savannah. So our newest patron will be Ronnie and Phyllis through a joint patron account. This is like when you have a joint Facebook because somebody cheated. 
No, it's not because they <laughs> cheated. It's because it's my mom and dad. And they just... <laughs> And they signed up for it just because why have two Patreons when you can have the one since you're watching it on the same TV. Yeah, they figured out how to watch more videos of us now. I'm very proud of the technical savvy that my parents have shown in being able to move from using flip phones just a few short years ago to the point of now where they can operate Patreon apps on their phone. I don't know if they use the app, but they did go at least through the website. Well, that's just Either about way. good enough for me. I do believe. Exactly. So thank you so much, you random strangers, <laughs> for signing up for our Patreon. If you would like to have access to exclusive episodes that come out weekly, then you can go to Patreon and for as little as $3 a month, you can subscribe and get exclusive content. We have other options as well. But we'd love for you to go check that out. We even just released a bonus episode to give you a sample just before this episode came out. So you can check that one out uh, as well, right? Yeah, it's about cryptids. Your favorite word. I do love to say the word cryptid. The whole reason we're doing a 50-state series on cryptids is because she likes to say cryptids. I do. And we would also like to thank our patron, Savannah Marcion, who I'm probably still butchering the name of. It's either Marcion or Marcione. So please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> if I'm wrong, tell me. Or it might be something completely different, but, but we're trying. She's upped her pledge to the next level up, so she has access to videos. And there's also some exclusive stuff that will not be on the audio one as well, even though a lot of it will be. So thank you so much for upping to that next level. We would hope that others would like to join us there because it's going to help support the podcast and let us get new things, including... More plugins? No, actually, (laughs) I think I got all the plugins I need. Now I want lavalier microphones. Oh, okay. Wireless lavalier microphones. I've already checked. Go out in the field investigation. Yeah, we're going to do some field investigations and it's not going to be this... You wouldn't believe how burdensome it is to take this equipment that I have and try to go out in a graveyard and film and do audio at the same time and still act like you're natural. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah, if we have weird. wireless mics, though, it'll work great. And with support, we can get them. I've already picked out the ones I want. And yeah, I'll so buy them as soon as we get enough. People, join our Patreon, please. Yeah. We also have a merchandise giveaway, and that's totally free to enter. And for August, it's going to be accepting uh, entries until the end of the month. All you have to do is go to our website, click on the tab that says giveaways, and follow the easy instructions, and you will be entered into our game show like we did on the last week, where you can get to the final round of the wheel. The wheel of winners. And she'll spin that wheel, and whoever lands on the winner spot gets to win. So how have you been this week, Crystal? I'm a little bit sad. The kids went back to school. Today is their first day. And we're all alone. And so, yeah, it's just us again with the dogs. So it's a little weird not having Elijah here anymore. It is weird, but mostly because you're scared now because of what happened last night. I am. We'll talk about that later. Okay. When we talk about Layla and Coffee. You talk a big game how brave you are, but (laughs) Layla and Coffee really failed us on this, what happened just the other night. I know. So before Elijah left, we did get to do a playthrough of our new board game, Pan Am, with Elijah. And we actually made a playthrough video. An hour and 37 minute long video that I have not released to anybody yet. Yeah, I don't know if anybody would want to watch the whole thing, but we did it anyway. Yeah, it's a full playthrough of the game. Live playthrough. I have it on YouTube. If anyone is interested in seeing it, send us a message and I'll send you the private link to it. You can go watch it. Maybe. Yeah, we're planning on doing some more playthroughs and maybe edit some of them. Maybe a little shorter, but I just thought I'd leave the whole thing up so that everybody could get a full 
taste of just what it takes to play one of these a little bit heavier yeah. board games. We at least watch the end and listen to Elijah's uh, rating of the game. Yes. Get to know our son a little bit. Our son, Elijah, who played the game as Dr. Brew. Dr. Cold Brew. Complete with lab coat and glasses for some reason. Yeah, it made sense at the time. Everything he does makes sense at the time. It does. So what are we talking about this week? Well, this week we're going to discuss something that I've always found a little fascinating. Dogs? Asylums. Oh. Yeah, I'm weird. Yeah. So just a little warning. Some of the terminology used to describe people with cognitive disabilities during the times we will be discussing are outdated and in no way reflect how we as a society view these individuals today. However, or us as a podcast. <clears throat> Definitely. However, we are a history podcast and history is sometimes dark, so hopefully we can all learn something about how to continue to move forward. We're going to go on a little mini tour of some infamous asylums with our first stop being the Walter E. Fernald Center in Massachusetts. Sounds respectable at first glance. Hmm, You might think that. It was supposedly set up as a school for what they deemed at the time as, quote, feeble-minded children. Today, we would never classify anyone this way, and certainly one would hope nothing like this would ever pass as an acceptable way to take care of anyone, let alone children. It was originally called the Experimental School for Teaching and Training Idiotic Children. That's awful. Yeah, so that's not better. No. It was founded by a man named Samuel Gridley Howe in 1848, making it the oldest such establishment in the United States. Howe was an abolitionist and a reformer. Interestingly, his wife, Julia, wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I learned something today already. Yeah, that was cool. Howe secured $2,500, which was a large amount of money in 1848, from the state of Massachusetts. It was only actually $93,000 in today's money, which I found really Still low. Still kind of low, you would yeah, think. Yeah, I, th- I find that low. Yeah. But it was still a lot of money for them. The curriculum was to include such things as classroom training, manual training at shoe repair, broom making, rag rug making, weaving, knitting and sewing and housekeeping, music therapy, dancing, and athletics. So it sounds like it's a sounds good idea. Sounds like outside of the name, it sounds <laughs> like it would have useful programs, possibly. Yeah, but that's not what happened. Eventually, the, quote, school, and I use that term very loosely, relocated and expanded to 72 buildings spanning 196 acres in Waltham, Massachusetts, which is just outside Boston, in 1881. Okay. This was a huge facility. When I think of an asylum, I usually picture, like, one large building, like Arkham Asylum. I don't know why. I don't either. Do you ever think of it being, like, a whole I campus? when I think of asylums, I really only see them as, like, haunted, run-down, defunct buildings. But do you think of it as one main building or like yeah, a bunch one of huge buildings, sort of like Wayne Manor or yeah, something? Everything goes like, back to Batman for but me. Usually it's like a campus, apparently. Yeah. At one point, it housed over 2,500 residents. That's really crazy to me. Like, this also included disabled adults, but it wasn't designed to care for that many people, of course. Mm. I watched a video of a team investigating the abandoned buildings, and it's exactly what you would expect creepy. Everything left to decay to time. There are still toy figures sitting in the windowsills like the children were suddenly interrupted while playing. I saw what looked like cribs that had been thrown down the stairs and smashed. And my question is, how do you deem a baby as feeble-minded? I, I don't know how you would classify yeah, I mean, babies a that, baby is yeah. that way, unless maybe they're talking about just by their appearance, possibly. Like Down syndrome, but yeah. that wasn't the case with them all. I mean, they were normal-looking okay. children. Well, then I don't know how they would arrive at that conclusion. I know. 
Graffiti covers many of the walls, abandoned wheelchairs, patient files, medical equipment, toys, you name it. It all litters the rooms and halls. There's even an abandoned swimming pool, which I found quite eerie. I'm already freaked out from the Biltmore House episode. Yeah, that's so, what it reminded me of. Yeah. By 1925, they decided to rename it from the Experimental School for Teaching and Training Idiotic Children to the Walter E. Fernald Center after its third superintendent, which is a better name. Well, it sounds like they moved forward in name. Yeah, at least by at name. Least. Well, wait. Walter E. Fernald was a huge proponent of the eugenics movement. Oh, this is going downhill fast. Yeah, that was very prevalent in the early 20th century. Most people think that Hitler was the first to hold to the idea that only those with desirable traits should be able to reproduce. But no, it originated right here in the United States before World War II. Another thing I've learned in this podcast. Mm -hmm. In the 1920s and 30s, believers in this idea would travel across the country and set up exhibits at places such as fairs to, quote, educate people on the benefits of eugenics. The message was that it was good for America and good for the human race. The belief in eugenics perpetuated the belief that anyone with a cognitive disability, even a perceived one, should be segregated from society. I watched a video and one person was holding a sign that said, quote, I cannot read this sign. By what right have I children? This is crazy. Just because the person couldn't read, they were told they shouldn't have children. Like, why not teach the person to read? Back then, might not have possessed the ability to read. I know. And like, how do you even know what the sign says? It it doesn't make you any less valuable as a member of society just because you can't read. Perhaps you have other skills. Yes. And how about we come up with programs and teach people to read because anyone can learn to read. Anyone can, mm-hmm. even people Just, with cognitive disabilities. Oh, for sure. The people who resided at the Fernald Center were rarely ever allowed to leave the facility, and not much time was spent actually educating them, which was supposed to be its purpose. This often resulted in the children becoming angry and resorting to violent outbursts. The adult attendants would respond in turn with violence. There are numerous accounts of abuse occurring over the years. Those living there had no recourse to report any of this. Like, who are they going to tell? Because... Nobody's going to listen to them. No one's going to listen or help them. Many tried running away, but they were almost always caught. I said earlier that the number of residents grew upwards of 2,000, and it was intended as a place to house and serve those with mental limitations, but this was not necessarily always the case. Families that simply didn't want to deal with a child for whatever reason could drop them off and rid themselves of another mouth to feed, even if there was nothing mentally wrong with them. It was estimated that up to half of those housed at the Fernald Center had at least average intelligence. Mm. So if you just didn't want to deal with an unruly child or you had too many children, you could just drop them off. Just not have to be your concern anymore. Mm -hmm. I saw a documentary with two men who spent many years of their lives there and they were labeled as morons in their paperwork, despite the fact that there was nothing mentally wrong with them. They grew up confused and feeling like they didn't belong in normal society. So they were tested later, and there was nothing wrong with them. They were able to function in society completely normally, but they didn't know that because they were told their whole lives that there was something wrong about with them. And you're going to believe what people, especially that seem like authority figures, mm-hmm. gonna, doctors, you know, and... pound into your head. Mm-hmm. The center used these individuals as cheap labor. As you can imagine, with that many people living there, there was a lot of things that needed to be done to keep things running. They were forced to work in the gardens all day in the heat. They made rooms and sewed buttons and on shoes, etc. Like they did all the menial labor. Yeah. So things are bad enough for those that call Fernald home with up to 36 boys sleeping in one room, but they get worse. In the 1940s and 50s, 
MIT and Harvard are looking for test subjects to conduct experiments with radioactive isotopes. Oh, no. They team up with Quaker Oats to form what they call a, quote, science club. It sounds like a good thing. That's what the boys thought. Mainly, there was a lot of boys, young boys that were there. I mean, there were children, like girls and adults, but the majority, I think, were young boys. Okay. Membership in this club included special treatment such as trips outside the facility, parties, trips to see the Boston Red Sox, occasional beach outings, even extra food, namely oatmeal laced with radioactive iron and milk fortified with radioactive calcium. Why in the world were they allowed to do this? Why were they allowed to? Because no one was regulating this, obviously. So they weren't allowed to do it. They just did it. Probably. But having a company support them doing it, mm-hmm. why would Quaker Oats they be involved wanted to in such a thing? measure the absorption rate of these uh, of the radioactive material into the children's bodies for study. But why would Quaker Oats care anything about that? Because companies aren't always what you think they're about, oh. which we'll have an episode about in the future. A lot of these seemingly innocuous. Yeah. All the levels of radiation were likely too low to cause any permanent damage. It did violate the Nuremberg Code against experimenting on humans, especially children who obviously didn't give consent. Obviously. Of course, it took many years for all this to come to light. In 1995, a class action suit resulted in a 1998 district court decision awarding the victims a $1.85 million settlement from MIT and Quaker. Each man who was involved in the lawsuit were former students They only ended up with about $60,000 each, which is not nearly enough for what they went through. I don't have these radioactive isotopes put into their body. I can only imagine how that would have uh, affected them physically. Well, they don't think it did. Like no one had any reported conclusive proof, but how can you? I mean, someone could could get cancer for an unrelated reason or, I mean, how are you going to prove it? something to do with it, but you don't know. Yeah, how are you going to prove it? The facility continued to house residents all the way up until 2013. That's crazy to me, like that recent. That is so recent. Mm -hmm. By that time, there were only 13 people remaining, the oldest of whom was 84 years old, and she had been there since she was 19 years old. It was reported to cost approximately $1 million per client per year. That's about four times the United States national average for a state-supported institution. I don't know what they're doing there that would cost a million dollars It seems per like person. there should be some kind of accountability as right. to why they would require such funds. Yeah, I mean, and you're not even treating them well or educating them. What are you spending a million dollars per person on? CEO bonuses. Yeah. As of 2021, despite at times considering use of the property as a high school or a police station or a recreational development center, it remains vacant. Sounds like a prime suspect to be a haunted location to me. Today, signs warn that the place is dangerous due to asbestos. Many people believe the ghosts of those members of the science club who were experimented on haunt the abandoned halls. Urban explorers, you know, those people who like to trespass onto private property with their video cameras and EMF meters and then post YouTube videos. Like that movie we watched. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they continue to explore and show us what remains. It hasn't been vacant too terribly long, but lack of maintenance has caused it to decay quickly. We'll post some pictures on our social media, but if you want to see the inside, there are plenty of YouTube videos to check out. Whether it's haunted or not, it remains a sad reminder of a societal fail on so many levels. 
Many of the residents were buried in graves on the property with only their resident number to identify them and a C for Catholic or a P for Protestant. That's very sad. And if there's a place that I would think that would house negative energy, it would be an old asylum with this kind of treatment Mm -hmm. of their patients. I imagine there's a lot of uh, bad mojo there. Yeah. Well, that one's bad, but this one is a little worse. Next up, we're going to Staten Island, New York to talk about Willowbrook State School. This is one of the worst stories I found in my research. I really went down a rabbit hole and watched dozens of videos and read many articles about this place. Is that what you were looking at when I came up to you and you're writing the script and you were like, oh, angry? Yes, it really, really bothered me. Okay. If you've seen American Horror Story Asylum, this is rumored to be the inspiration for that season. It must be a really bad place then. It was the largest facility in the United States designed to house 4,000 residents, but with overcrowding, that number reached 6,000 at one point. It operated from 1947 until 1987. Senator Robert Kennedy visited Willowbrook in 1965 and was appalled by the conditions. Here's a clip of his reaction. I visited the state institutions for the mentally retarded, and I think particularly at Willowbrook that we have a situation that borders on uh, a snake pit and that the children live in filth, uh, but uh, many of our fellow citizens are suffering tremendously because lack of attention, lack of imagination, lack of uh, adequate manpower. There's very little future for the children or for those who are in these institutions. Uh, both need uh, a tremendous overhauling. I'm not saying that those who are the attendants there are the ones that run the institution are at fault. I think all of us are at fault. And uh, I think it's just uh, long overdue that something be done about it. A few years later, in 1972, a young Geraldo Rivera did an expose on this school. When he, what he documented was unbelievable. The first thing that they experienced when they entered was the overwhelming smell. Hundreds of residents were sitting around in wards, some of them naked, huddled up, and covered in their own excrement. Little to no interaction with staff was occurring in what was supposed to be an educational facility. They were horribly understaffed, sometimes with only four or five attendants to a hundred residents. This left the staff unable to properly care for them. They could not even keep clothing on them, let alone keep them clean or properly fed. Nearly all the residents contracted hepatitis due to the poor living conditions. This led to controversial medical studies being carried out between the 1950s and the 1970s by medical researchers Saul Krugman from New York University and Robert W. McCollum from Yale University. Again, a huge violation of human rights. Sounds like a going theme with this episode. Yeah. There were little to no personal hygiene items, not even toothbrushes. Staff only had about three minutes to feed each person, which led to malnutrition. The budget for Willowbrook had been cut, which led them to be severely understaffed. Barato's expose shocked the nation and caused an outcry for reform. In response, the governor of New York restored some of the budget that he had previously taken away. However, Rivera and his crew did subsequent follow-up visits and found little to no real improvements. They scheduled a time for a follow-up visit, but decided to show up a few days early. Uh Aha, they pulled the old end around on them. The cameras captured a frenzy of people rushing to make cosmetic changes such as fresh paint, deep cleaning, replacing mattresses, etc., all in an effort to make the place look better. Because that's what's important, how the place looks, not how it's overcrowded or how it's treating its patients Mm -hmm. or things of that nature. 
When he confronted them, those in charge admitted that they wanted to put their best foot forward and that they had just gotten the money from the government. So they hadn't had just time to really up, Im- you know? implement their new programs or whatever. Came but in the mail today. We just ain't had time to open an envelope. It was clear that no real changes had been made. The living conditions were still deplorable and there were no educational programs in place. Like we saw in the Fernald School, many of the residents didn't have cognitive disabilities that warranted them being institutionalized. One man named Bernard Carabello had cerebral palsy, which doesn't affect your mental abilities. He spent 18 years in the school and called his experience there a disgrace. He became good friends with Geraldo Rivera and went on to become an advocate for people with cognitive disabilities. I watched a recent video featuring an interview with Rivera and Bernard Carabello, and this is 50 years after that expose in 1972. And he's made a huge impact on the progress that has greatly improved the treatment of people with disabilities. I think he even got like a doctorate degree. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Willowbrook was closed in 1987, but sadly, a February 2020 New York Times investigation found that the alumni of Willowbrook continue to be abused in smaller group homes. That is unfortunate. Like, how does this still go on? I don't know. In 2020. I assume in some way it has something to do with money. Oh, for sure. There was a book written in 1991 by a retired New York Police Department detective, Paul Raganese. It was called The Soul of a Cop. And he talks about responding to building number two, and it was an abandoned Willowbrook campus, and he was a member of the bomb squad. He describes the abandoned building that was full of hazardous chemicals, including explosive picric acid crystals, along with rooms full of jars containing specimens of human organs. Why would that even be a thing? Because they were probably experimenting on people. Oh, I guess that would be the reason. That's terrible. Yes. You don't know what went on there. This sounds uh, horrific. Clearly, they wouldn't be doing that when Geraldo showed up. So what he saw wasn't even nearly as bad as probably things that were happening. Hidden away mm-hmm. from they, where they definitely did not let him take the cameras, I'm yeah. sure. Raganese goes on to write that the incident was largely covered up by local officials. No one really knows the extent of the atrocities that were perpetrated on these people. Willowbrook State Hospital is mentioned in a 2009 documentary movie called Cropsy as having reportedly housed convicted child kidnapper Andre Rand, who had previously worked there as an orderly. One of his supposed victims, Jennifer Schweiger, was found buried in a shallow grave behind the grounds of the abandoned Willowbrook State School. You've probably never heard of him, but he's pretty famous. I have not. So he worked there and then was later a patient, and they found that he one of his victims was there. Well, that sounds like a movie. I think it is. Some of the buildings at Willowbrook were later incorporated into the campus of Staten Island College, where students go on to practice social work, working to improve the lives of those who need advocates. So at least there's that. Yeah. The expose about Geraldo Rivera was entitled Willowbrook, The Last Great Disgrace. You can find it on YouTube, and I highly recommend you watch it. It really gives you a picture of how society viewed people who were deemed different. Although many strides have been made as a nation to improve the treatment of people with cognitive disabilities, we still have a ways to go. I didn't find any reports of haunting since it's now been incorporated into the Staten Island College. I'm sure no one is allowed to go into those remaining abandoned buildings. So No one is allowed to go into those buildings. They probably have pretty good security if it's a college campus. That's what I'm thinking. Perhaps. Yeah. So, no haunting. I'm sure. Did you do a YouTube search? Yes, of course. And no one posted it on YouTube. Mm-mm. Somebody's going to do it. Yeah. 
or when they try to, they just don't ever make it back. <laughs> Next up on our mini tour, we are traveling down south to Louisville, Kentucky, to one of the most haunted places in America, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. That word makes me uncomfortable for some reason. Sanatorium? Yes. Or Waverly? <laughs> no, not Waverly. Oh, no, not Waverly. We can't say that word in her presence. She gets all flustered. The sanatorium. She gets the vapors. This place has been visited by all the major ghost hunting shows you see on television, including Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventurers. I've never heard of it before, but apparently it's super haunted. It's a whole thing, apparently. It is. We don't really know a lot about these places like sanatoriums, <laughs> except for what you've learned in your extensive multiple-hour research. Waverly Hills was built in 1883 by Major Thomas Hayes. He built the original structure as a school for his children to attend because there was no school nearby. So he's like, I'll just build my own. I'll build my own dang school. But in the early 1900s, Jefferson County, Kentucky, was struck with an outbreak of tuberculosis as the wetlands near the Ohio River were the perfect breeding ground for the bacteria that causes TB. Tuberculosis sometimes is called the white plague and is a highly contagious disease that was almost always deadly back then. Typical symptoms of active TB are chronic cough with blood-containing mucus, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. In 1912, the schoolhouse building was converted into a hospital to treat tuberculosis patients. A massive five-story building was constructed and designed to treat 40 patients and then later expanded in 1914 with a children's pavilion eventually providing treatment for about 130 patients. So far, it doesn't sound too overcrowded. So it's a lot smaller than the one that yeah. we just discussed. Yeah, it's not a huge campus. It's one big building. Okay. These open-air pavilions provided fresh air, which they believed helped the condition. So, like, they would be in the room and they could just wheel them out into this big open area so they can get fresh air because it's up on a hill in the mountain. Some of the children at the sanatorium weren't sick, but their parents were patients, so they had to stay at the hospital because they had no one else to care for yeah, them. What are they going to do with them? There's an abandoned swing set on the property that's frozen in time. It's kind of creepy. I imagine so. The healthy Children's children toys and things, playground equipment is yeah. just can be creepy in the right scenarios. And how did you keep them from catching it? Did they keep them from catching it? Well, not everybody caught it. Can people be resistant to TB? Yeah, I think you can have it and not show any symptoms. Like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, not dormant. That's but the word I was thinking of. Dormant. dormant. Yeah, like a dormant carrier or something, maybe. Treatment for tuberculosis at the time included a healthy diet rich in vitamins A and C, plenty of fresh air and sunshine, hence the open air pavilions, and bed rest. However, some treatments practiced at Waverly Hills were somewhat barbaric by today's standards. One of these treatments was called an artificial... Pneumothorax. This was a procedure that involved blowing air into the lung, kind of like with a balloon, or okay. the space between the lungs. And this was in order to make the diseased part of the lung collapse, which would in theory allow the lung to rest so that lesions could heal. And that's what they thought. But most it's people. Cutting edge medical technology. <laughs> However, most people didn't survive the treatment. That is shocking. I <laughs> did not see that one coming. Another surgery for the treatment was thoracoplasty, which involved the removal of multiple ribs with the intention of collapsing the lung. While doctors preferred to only remove two or three ribs at a time, most patients required as many as eight removed for this technique to be effective, meaning they had to endure multiple painful surgeries. For this technique to be effective. 
Yeah, but it, it didn't help. And by effective, they mean, oh, yeah, the lungs collapsed. We've done our work, boys. Let's the go out and The theory is they're meat. taking the pressure off the lung and so that it can start to heal. And see, this is why when you just think you know how the world works yeah. with your education you may have at the time and just the available medical knowledge, you do some crazy things and you think you're helping, but... You know, yeah. maybe not so much. I could have been a doctor back then. <laughs> For sure. The number of deaths at Waverly Hills is impossible to determine, though the number is estimated to be eight to 11,000. At a place that only kept like a couple hundred people at a time? It was over the course of many, many years. Oh, well, that makes sense. Some claim the number to be upwards of 60,000, but most agree that's an impossible number. That would be a crazy number because... I don't think there were that many people probably in that county at that time. Maybe not. Maybe they heard about these experimental therapies and they showed they up on mass saying, not three, not four, not five, but maybe even as many as eight ribs need to come out of this thing <laughs> right here, right now. Either way, there were a large number of deaths. Removing these bodies in front of other patients was deemed to be bad for morale. So they came up with a clandestine way to dispose of the bodies. They constructed an underground tunnel that ran from the hospital through the woods down to the railroad tracks where the bodies could be put on trains and relocated and buried. Well, I already know where the haunted location in this place is going to be. <laughs> this tunnel was dubbed the body chute. Oh, well, how poetic. I know. In 1943, an antibiotic called streptomycin was successfully developed to treat tuberculosis. However, it took until 1949 for the cure to be made available to those suffering at Waverly Hills. Was there a shortage of it? Or? I think so. It was just logistics of getting it out to everyone because it was all over the country. People and I guess were, they're probably not at the top of the food chain as far as people getting the available treatments. Probably not. Was, who knows? Once treatment was made available, the number of patients at Waverly Hills dwindled until a few remaining were able to be transferred to a regular hospital. Waverly Hills closed as a sanatorium in 1962. The following year, in 1963, it was reopened as Woodhaven Geriatric Center. This was a live-in facility for elderly patients suffering from dementia, mental illness, and mobility issues. Numerous accounts of abuse and neglect were reported, and the center was shut down by the state in 1982. The property was sold to a developer who had intentions of turning it into a minimum security prison. The neighbors were not on board with this, so it never happened. I can't believe they'd have some qualms <laughs> about such things showing up in their backyard. The backup plan was to turn it into apartments, but due to lack of funds, this never happened either. And the haunted ghost tunnels underneath. In 1996, a nonprofit group purchased the property with the intention of turning it into an arts and worship center. And get this. They wanted to put a 150-foot-tall statue of Jesus modeled after the famous statue of Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro on the roof. It does not sound in the least bit extravagant or weird 150 to me. 150-foot-tall. Well, I'll tell you right now, I ain't doing it for less than 150 feet. I'll tell you that right now, we are not going to put up a Jesus that's 125 that's feet crazy. tall because that's an insult. The cost of the statue is estimated to be $4 million dollars with another 8 to 10 million to renovate the interior for a statue. Reasonable. They were only able to raise about $3,000. They were only able to raise about $3,000, so giant tuberculosis Jesus was canceled. This sounds like an album name from Pink Floyd in the <laughs> 70s. <laughs> they only raised or maybe the Spin Doctors. $3,000. Well, maybe they could have afforded one of the toenails. 
I don't just even start know. off like with you that. couldn't afford it you know well a picture of the toenails yeah in 2001 the property was sold to its current owners charles and tina mattingly they formed the waverly hills historical society with the goal of raising money to restore the interior from what i found it has not been renovated instead it is now a haunted attraction you can visit and take daytime or nighttime tours conduct a paranormal investigation or attend a halloween event have they put up the statue yet No, Hmm. it's in the works. So, of course, this means the place is haunted. Like I said, this is supposed to be one of the most haunted places in America, if not the world. Guests claim to hear phantom footsteps, doors slamming, screaming patients echoing through the vacant halls, shadows running around, and strange voices. And statues. American Hauntings reports sightings of more specific apparitions, including a ghostly hearse seen dropping off coffins at the back of the building a woman with bleeding wrists begging for help, and a man in a white coat seen wandering around the trashed kitchen full of broken windows and destroyed furniture, accompanied by the scent of food. And statues. (laughs) Of Jesus. Tuberculosis Jesus. Supposedly, the fifth floor is where most of the paranormal activity occurs. The legend says that this is where the mentally disturbed patients were kept. Room 502 is at the center of the reported hauntings with people claiming to see shapes moving in windows or voices telling them to jump off the roof. Sounds like a pleasure. The story goes that they found a nurse hanging from a light fixture in room 502 back in 1928. She had hung herself after finding out she was pregnant out of wedlock. Another nurse was said to have thrown herself off the roof to the ground below in 1932. Some pregnant visitors claim they feel a compulsion to jump from the window. That's disturbing. Yeah, some people claim they've had to be talked down. That's very disturbing. Yeah. Besides ghost nurses, there are, of course, ghost children. Because there's always ghost always. children. There are reports of hearing children laughing, creeping. One ghost is named Timmy, and he likes to play with a ball. So guests will often bring their own ball, and he'll play with it. Roll it around. Yeah, he rolls it around. Would you like to play with me? <laughs> Numerous accounts claim to see the ball moving on its own, sometimes even floating down the hallway like it's being carried. By a statue. There's also an apparition that appears as an old woman with chains around her wrists. This is believed to be a former resident of the geriatric center who was restrained. This ghost howls for help, but if you approach her, she runs away. That's the kind of ghost I would want to encounter. That would be more (laughs) scared of me than I am of it. There's also a ghost called the Creeper. It gets its name because it creeps and crawls along the walls, ceilings, and floors. I think that might be scarier than the ghost child. I'm not even going to put that up for debate. (laughs) There are definitely a lot of people who claim to have had paranormal experiences at Waverly Hills. I went to TripAdvisor and found a few guests who shared their experiences, and Brett is going to read them for us now. So this first trip review is by Cindy, 10 Big D, expecting little, but experienced a lot. My husband and I went on the 3 to 5 p.m. tour with the expectation that we most likely would not experience anything out of the ordinary. But wow, that was not true. When we got to the fifth floor, where the sickest of the children were cared for, two interesting things happened. First, I felt a tickle on my left inside ankle. Thinking it was a bug or maybe a spider web, I used my right foot to get it off, but I did not look down. Then the tickle happened again. Thinking maybe it was a thread from my pants, I looked down. Nothing. Then, once again, I felt the tickle. 
After this, I asked the tour team member, do the children ever touch the visitors? Yes, they do. She said. She said. (laughs) (laughs) There are balls and toys in many places on the fifth floor for the children to play with. The room just across from the fifth floor room contained two dusty old balls. Although I had photographed many of the toys, I decided not... You're making this very awkward. I decided not to take a photo of the two dusty ones. I was contemplating this when one of the balls moved by itself in a perfect circle. No one was in the room except me. I immediately texted my husband to come to where I was and I told him what had happened. After leaving the fifth floor, we eventually made our way to the old surgery suite. I looked hard at all the other tour participants while thinking, surely they can smell this antiseptic. I asked a tour team member, do people smell antiseptic in this room? Yes, they do. (laughs) She said again, after these experiences, I would not want to spend the night at Waverly. This is some serious paranormal happening there. Let's just say that I felt I definitely got my $30 worth for the daytime tour. <laughs> Thank you for that epic reading. You're <laughs> the welcome. The two dusty balls. <laughs> what would you do if they if the ball if just... I saw two big dusty balls? <laughs> yes. I'm not sure how I would react in that situation, but I'm thinking that results may vary. <laughs> And this review is by Cheryl L. Several paranormal things happen, such as shadow figures, doors slamming, rocks being thrown, and hearing movement behind me with a feeling of being followed. Highly recommend not only the ghost hunt, but the historical tour as well. Okay, so this one's a dude. I'm thinking I can't read the name. Akatsachal. So you're just going to assume it's a man. Akatsachal. 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 From Lexington. Kentucky. Ghost made it fun for me this time. I did the six-hour public hunt. A couple of months ago, I hunted the third, fourth, and fifth floors. This time, I wanted to focus on the second and first floors and the death chute. What I experienced was nothing short of amazing. I got away from the other folks and did my own thing. I laid on the bottom morgue slab, hoping to get touched. (laughs) I have to pause here to say that this is not as disturbing to you as it seems to be to me what this guy's saying. I laid on the bottom (laughs) morgue slab hoping to get touched. Well. This just could be interpreted in so many different ways, but we're a family broadcast, so. But I didn't. Later, I did a flashlight session with a female and, okay. Later, I did a flashlight session with a female in the shock therapy bedroom while sitting on the bed, and she answered questions by making the flashlight turn on. (laughs) 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 Then, I went down the death chute alone, a 500-foot walk down in complete blackness. I could hear footsteps behind me, but when I turned to take a picture, there was no one there. I turned on my FLIR, which I believe is an infrared camera, Clear. and have two videos of an entity which followed me down the death chute and then led the way back up. It even played with my hair. Best time for activity <laughs> is between 1 and 3 a.m. <laughs> Thank you. That was enlightening. And it's a FLIR camera. 
FLIR camera. Which you should know. I should know that. I actually used to sell infrared thermal <laughs> imaging say, cameras. It's on, it's on there was all a brand called Rate. What's a brand? Just, just a, call it a FLIR. It's not an infrared camera. There are two different types. There are infrared cameras, which might be what this is. And then there's infrared thermal imagers, which mm. are totally different. Well, either way, this place is definitely somewhere we need to go investigate. The morgue slab. Yes. We can play the flashlight game. <laughs> and you can play with my hair. Okay. Thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> our final stop on our little mini tour of asylums will take us to, you guessed it, Savannah. <laughs> and the old Kendler Hospital located at 5353 Reynolds Street. Did you know we had an asylum right here in Savannah? I was not aware of said asylum. I wasn't either. With all the wandering we do around downtown, I can't believe we never ran across it. We do like to wander. We do. You even call me the wanderer. I do call you the wanderer. So I think it's a different letter in that, but it's an O and not an A. Well, it's both. Sometimes you wonder and sometimes you wander. It's it's like the difference between a gif and a jif. They're spelled the same, <laughs> so it's totally different. Or a meme and a mimi. A mimi. That's what the old folks call it. The hospital opened in 1804 and was the second oldest continually running hospital in the entire United States. It was originally called the Savannah Hospital, but it was renamed in 1931 because it was endowed by the founder of Coca-Cola, Asa Griggs Candler. He renamed it after his brother, who would lead the hospital. His name was Warren Aiken Candler. That's, That's interesting. I know. Coke Candler. Candler. I didn't know that. Did you know Candler I was the founder of yeah, Coke? I didn't. I did not know that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed. I've learned several things. I feel like I'm being edified by this podcast as I sit here and record it. I'm glad. Originally, it was set up as a poorhouse and hospital for sick seamen, and later as a hospital for the prisoners of war. In the Civil War. Okay. It transitioned into a hospital for the citizens of Savannah during the yellow fever epidemic of 1876. We've talked about yellow fever before, but I don't think we've discussed it in detail. We have not. Do you know the symptoms of yellow fever? Jaundice. That's right. For starters, you become jaundiced, which means your skin takes on a yellow appearance. I knew that. And this includes the whites of your eyes. That's creepy. Of course, you run a very high fever and your organs begin to shut down. Of course. You bleed from every orifice of your body, eyes, nose, ears, etc. Towards the end, you begin to vomit a vile black liquid resembling coffee grounds. I don't want to ask what that vile black liquid actually consists of, but I'm assuming it's your innards. Probably. And there is no known cure. It is in effect a death sentence. Isn't it still... An yes. incurable disease if it, it were contracted? It is. We now know that the disease was spread by mosquitoes, which are quite abundant here in the South. We have one or two. The doctors and nurses at Candler Hospital knew quite well that patients coming there for treatment would never leave. Like we've said previously, over 600 people died as a result of the epidemic. Some claim the number to be exactly 666 and that it was a punishment from God upon the city of Savannah. Whether that's true or not, what is true is that Savannah is good at a couple of things. One of those is digging tunnels. The other is drinking. Exactly. So what to do with all these bodies? Drink. Dig a tunnel under the hospital leading under the street over to Forsyth Park. 
You know, the famous one with the giant white fountain. fountain. It may be beautiful above ground, but underneath, that's where they would quietly carry the bodies and stack them one on top of the other, hundreds of them. I had no idea that that was happening Mm -hmm. or had happened. Above the tunnel, which is still there but closed off now, stands a giant live oak tree that is 16 feet in circumference and over 300 years old. It is known as the Candler Oak. It was used for hangings back in the early days of Savannah, and is nicknamed the Hanging Tree. Catchy. So back to this tunnel. Some reports say that at night, carriages would arrive to sneak the bodies out of the tunnel for proper burials. This was done in secrecy to prevent hysteria among the living in Savannah. Other reports say the bodies are still there to this day. Seems to me that with the population being so small back then, that you would notice all these people leaving and dying. Wouldn't you think? Leaving and dying? Wouldn't you... Wouldn't you, like, notice that people were never coming out of the hospital and they weren't in the hospital? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they were all too busy about, you know, defending their honor and whatnot like they used to do back in the day with their dueling and such. Oh, they were having too many duels to worry about it. Maybe. Later on, the Candler Hospital became an asylum for the mentally ill where treatment included things like electroshock therapy and experimentations on patients, which was quite prevalent in the 60s and such. Yeah, there's quite a few movies about that kind of stuff. In 1980, Candler Hospital teamed up with St. Joseph's to form a new hospital, which is where we recognize St. Joseph's Candler. I know where that is. Yeah, I do too. It's right off of the road that we drive down. You're talking about Truman. Yes. That's Memorial. Oh, well, I have no idea where it is. St. Joseph's Candler is out by... It's on Duran? Yeah. Okay. We do drive by that then. Yeah. It's just not the one I'm thinking of. (laughs) The building sat vacant for many years until recently when it was purchased by the Savannah College of Art and Design. Like everything else in the historic district area of Savannah. And it's now been renovated and is used for offices or housing. I'm not sure which. Some people say it's offices. People say that that hanging tree that you can look up there at night and see people hanging. I don't remember seeing. I remember there's humongous trees all over Savannah, especially Forsyth Park. We got to go find this one. Yeah, it's directly across from the hospital, it says. Where's the hospital? On Reynolds Street. You did say that. I don't remember which one of those roads is Reynolds Street, so we'll just go check it out. Because it's got four streets going around it, Mm because Forsyth Park's rectangular, and it's very long. Of course, there's a woman in white in the hospital, because there's always a woman in white. What if it was like a woman in fuchsia? I know, like, why is there never a woman, like, wearing blue or red? Or why is there never a woman in, like, canary yellow? Or lime green. Or canary blue. Also, people claim to see apparitions of people who died that were placed in the tunnel. So if you go stand where the tunnel is. Where is the entrance to the tunnel? Or where did it used to be? It was in the hospital somewhere. Oh. Like I think. So there's no exit from the tunnel where it uh, terminates. No. And it's sealed off now anyway. Is it though? That's what they tell you. They tell you a lot of things. Yeah. So I watched some videos, and of course the tour guides go a little crazy with it, and they say like police officers used to be, like have to go in there all the time, and they would see things, and they would get like, they would go in and their police radios would stop working, and they had no way to communicate. It seems like somebody would have at one point taken pictures of this stuff. I know, that's what I keep saying about everything. Why do people not take the pictures? Why do people not take pictures? Especially nowadays, which I know they can't go there now, but there's no excuse to not take pictures of everything nowadays. Even the cheapest phone has a better camera than the majority of digital point-and-shoot cameras they had in the 90s. I I did read one 
person who says they work there currently. So she's uh, saying it's offices and that she says she's never seen anything. But some people just aren't sensitive to it. So Like me. Yeah. You could probably walk in there and be fine. I walk in there and get assaulted by the woman in lime green dress. I thought she wore white. In my version, she wears lime green. All right. Well, that is the story of the haunted old Candler Hospital. So we're going to try something new here. This brings us to the portion of the show where we like to... Insert graphic here. What, what we're, we're watching. watching. And once again, this is on the job training for Crystal. I'm going to let her take the lead on this. You're only doing that because you didn't research This was it. my favorite season of this show so far. So well, Why don't you want to introduce it? I will if you want me to. This week, we watched Slashers don't start Season with me, girl. 3 from 2019 on Netflix, which originally aired, I found out, on Chiller. Chiller? Yeah, it was a, the first Chiller original show. I don't even know what Chiller is. It's a network. Is it still a network? It is. Why aren't we watching it? I need, We need to look up some more of their stuff because it was pretty good. This season was called Solstice. And the plot is, one year after the brutal death of a young man, the residents of an apartment complex are targeted by a mysterious killer known as the Druid. Each episode covers three hours of a 24-hour day, and it talks, it shows the terror that the residents are going through. They start dying one by one until only two are left in the end, but I won't tell you which two because you have to watch it. Like the other seasons, it's eight episodes long, which we binged in a couple of nights. And so far, we what we've seen going on is by the time it gets to the end, there's usually two people left in each season. Except so. for the fourth season, there was one person. In this season, two people survived. Like the other seasons, it's an eight-episode long season, which we binged in a couple of nights, and they reveal the killer in the seventh episode and spend the rest of the time explaining the reasons, and there's a twist. There is a twist. I didn't see it coming. You did. I did. I called it. Mm-hmm. I called this one. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I think I knew who the killer was. I wasn't sure about the, the twist. Well, I can't really say much about it because this is another one of those things where if you start talking about what happened, then you give away some of the yeah. surprise that's going to happen. So uh, what I, is your rating, Brett, on our arbitrarily chosen scale of dog treats from 1 to 12? Sounds good. Okay, 12. Well, before I give you my rating, let me tell you what I think about the movie. Okay. This one is more graphic than the first two seasons by a long ways. There's one murder in this thing that involves a classroom that is still disturbing me to this day. And uh, if you have a weak stomach, I can't stress enough, don't watch this show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just gets worse. However, the storyline is so good that I can look past some of that. But it, it's a, it's another unique story. Every season we've seen of it so far has been completely different than the previous one. And uh, I liked most of the acting in this one. Mm-hmm. There's only a handful of characters that I didn't care for, but they really didn't affect my enjoyment of this show. So as of the other seasons are, it's basically a whodunit with a lot of murder in it. Mm-hmm. But you're sitting there trying to guess as it goes on and on and on and on. And if you're like me, then you figure it out right before they give it away a lot of times. Actually, I called this one several episodes before the end, if you recall. Yeah, we just weren't sure the reasoning behind it, but we figured it out. Yeah, we figured it out. So let us know if you watch it and figure it out, if you can handle it. Uh, I'm going to give this season, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 9 out of 12. 
because uh, it was good. It was close to great. Uh, there, there are portions of it for me that just seem gratuitously violent. And I understand a show called Slasher is going to have that in it. But, you know, it comes to a point where it feels like they're just trying to one up. And wait till we talk oh, about but season just, four. You think that's bad. Wait till season four. <laughs> it's good just truth. ridiculous. It just gets worse. So nine out of 12 for me. Excellent. Thank you. I would give it 10. Can't remember what I gave season two, but I'm hoping that I gave it a nine because I like this one better than season two. Season two is probably my least favorite of the four, but season three. Still liked it though. Oh, I liked it. I really liked it. But season three, I liked it. It was pretty cool the way they tied all the storylines together and how there was a killer a year ago and now there's, you know, he's back and what's he doing? And like they just. You assume it's a he. Or is she? Yeah. Because there could be a twist. There There could be a a twist. twist, But I don't know. I I can't tell you what it is. It was really good. I give it a 10. Yeah. It had a lot of violence, like he said. So yeah, there was a lot of times I had to cover my eyes because I don't like certain graphic things. It just, I just don't like to look at it. Even though it's fake. Like people getting their skin super glued to each other in certain scenes and they tear it apart. Why though? It was pretty disgusting. Yeah. Not nearly as disgusting as the classroom scene. Yeah. Which still bothers me. Yeah, I don't think I, lo- I think I closed my eyes on that part. I watched it and I regret it. <laughs> and you're like always telling me it's just fake. I'm like, I know, but I don't want to look at it. I still watched it. <laughs> Not nearly as bad as season oh, four. Gosh. Season four. Now it's time for the segment that we like to call Layla, Layla and, and Coffee, Coffee Talk. Talk. Oh, we're singing it now. We should uh, make them a little theme song. Layla and Coffee Coffee bean. She's looking at me. She's in the floor right now. So So yesterday was pretty exciting. We had an insurance lady come by to, they have to come by once every few years to look at the house for insurance purposes, to like renew the policy, whatever. The girls were extremely, extremely excited to have a person show up at the door. They got a lot of pets. It was the thrill of their day. Things were going well. Then the suitcases came out. And I saw Elijah packing to go back to school. Yeah. So he left. I found sound pads on this thing. <laughs> so Elijah left. And while we were recording a bonus episode last night, Layla went and got on Elijah's bed. And when we came out, she started crying at us. And it was so sad. Should I play the video? Yes, play the video. It's so sweet how she knows. Like she knew he was gone and she usually sleeps with him. And that's his bed. So she cried and she was sad the rest of the night. It was so sad. It was so sad. So we're going to see how she does tonight. She can't sleep with us, though. She's too big. (laughs) Although you might want her to. Oh, yeah. Last night we stayed up till 3 a.m. watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And we finally turned it off and we're trying to go to sleep. And he's like, do you hear people talking? No, no. He said, did you leave the TV on upstairs? And I remembered turning it off. And I was like, Because no. of course you did. No, I did turn it off because we finished the, we were watching the baseball game and I remember turning it off. And you're like, I hear people talking upstairs. So then I start thinking, I hear people talking upstairs. And then he can just go to sleep at the drop of a hat. It takes nothing. He can just kind of sleep. And I'm like. I told her in my defense <laughs> that I probably did not hear people yeah, talking. Yeah, but then I thought I heard people after well, you said that. You. Yeah. So now I'm even more convinced more than ever that this place is haunted. And 
it scared me. Which is weird because I'm not scared at all about it. Well, if so. it comes downstairs, then you'll be scared. Yeah, I'll leave. I'll leave. <laughs> Definitely. I'm not saying, I'm not acting like I'm super brave mm-hmm. and that I'm not going to be phased by it. I'm just saying I'm not experiencing it. So I'm not phased by you it. You heard people talking. I thought I heard people mm-hmm. talking. I didn't hear people talking. Okay, so it's just the power of suggestion. I guess. Okay. I mean, it sounded like, you know how sometimes you think you hear a TV in the distance? Mm-hmm. It didn't sound like people literally in the house talking. It's like, you know how you can just pick up just the slightest ambiance mm-hmm. of a television program, like the way you have murderer episodes running 24-7, and I might overhear Keith Morrison or something <laughs> talking. It's sort of like that, but okay. it wasn't intelligible. It was just sort of, it sounded like, uh, uh. And I couldn't tell if it was just me hearing the ice machine. And I am practically deaf. Mm. So that's... All right. Uh, we'll see how tonight goes. I'll be asleep. <laughs> I'll just put in my headphones. Good. Listen. You mean my headphones? No, my headphone. My one headphone. Your one headphone. <laughs> I lost the other one. So if you want to find us online, you can visit scarysavannahandbeyond.com. Thank you. You can also find us on all social media platforms by looking for the user at Scary Savannah. I like the Facebook. The Facebook. <laughs> I'd like go on the TikTok. Or the gram. Nobody says that. No one's ever said that. <laughs> no. That's not even funny. You're old. Listen to you talking like this. You can find bonus episodes on our Patreon site. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Scary Savannah, there's also a very easy to follow link. If you go to our website, click on the tab up the top says Patreon. And then there's a button about this big and it's yellow and it says join. (laughs) All you have to do is go there and you can do it on your phone or on a computer and it'll take you there. It'll have all the details about what we offer. And we're committed to releasing at least one new episode a week, plus a lot of other bonus content that we'll be releasing throughout the week as well. It's getting episode happy. He's like releasing, releasing, releasing. I am going to be working on it more. I spent several hours a day trying to fix a uh, corrupted SD card. So that was very fun, Mm -hmm. but uh, that got me a little behind. But yeah, we've got several things that are going to be coming out here in the next few days, and it's just going to keep on going and going and going. So you can help support the podcast and also get a bunch of extra content that's not going to be available on our general stream by visiting there and joining up. We also have a merchandise giveaway. You can go to our website, click on the giveaways tab, enter a few bits of information, and you could be entered to win your choice of a t-shirt or a coffee mug, totally free. The only way you can't enter is if you have won previously. If you have not, enter again. You only need to enter once a month. You don't need to enter a bunch of times. Once a month is enough. And we'll draw that on the first Sunday episode of the month of September. We also have a merchandise store, which has shirts, hats, hoodies, other things. No shoelaces thing. yet. No shoelaces, unfortunately. Mm. But I if would you, like some shoelaces. Well, I Work found you that. a tumbler so we can see about shoelaces. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think I left it in my car and it probably is really rank right now because it had iced coffee in it. I bet it would be quite disgusting. Yeah, I'm really scared to go out there and get it. You get attacked by a ghost? No, it was a fly. Oh. So go there and you can find a bunch of cool merchandise and be one of the cool kids and buy that. Last thing I'd like you to do is to support the podcast by purchasing my lovely co-host a coffee, which you can do by going to the little yellow coffee cup icon in the bottom left-hand corner of your web browser on our webpage 
and you can donate one, two, three, seventy-six coffees to Crystal. And every bit that you do helps support us and keeps this show running. One last thing I would like to ask, please go leave us a five-star review and we'll read it on air. You can do that by going to our webpage, look for the reviews tab, click on that and click on all reviews and it will tell you exactly where to go and how to do it. And we would love those five-star reviews. Thanks for everyone who's left one so far. Yeah, I like five-star reviews. They're fun. So much more fun than other stars. It is. They're the best of all the stars. So, Crystal, that's going to leave us with the one last little thing that we like to say at the end of our podcast. And you sort of think you can anticipate what those words may, in fact, be. But maybe that's not where I'm going with this. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. But do you know who don't? That 150-foot-tall statue with tuberculosis Jesus. That's what I was going to say. The 150-foot tuberculosis Jesus don't live on because he never existed. Uh, no. That's they only sad. raised $3,000. I know. $3,000. Let's start a GoFundMe to have that thing finished. For tuberculosis Jesus. Yes. The 150-foot-tall tuberculosis Jesus. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs>